1: Hi, this is David Locke, host of Locked on NBA. Thanks for tuning in. Chad Ford is our guest today. This is a really special treat, and I'm opening a little differently today because of it. Chad has been so good to this program over the years. If you could take a second and send Chad a note, at Chad Ford Insider, and thank him for coming on. He was part of the ESPN layoffs, which is a travesty, and it's really, really too bad for all of us because he has revolutionized NBA draft coverage, and we're all better for it. So in that thank you to Chad, if you could take a moment and thank him for his years of dedication to us as fans, more than thanking him for coming on locked on NBA, I would really, really appreciate it. This is a good man. ESPN's made a mistake. I can't get into it, but we won't be able to have Chad on the podcast coming forward because of this. And so this is kind of our, 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 probably our last visit, uh, with Chad for a while. And, uh, I really just couldn't be more thankful for what he's done in something that I'm passionate about. My career kind of started by writing an NBA draft book in 1992 and 93, and we've bonded, and he's done everything I ever dreamed of doing. So please send him a thank you at Chad Ford Insider. Now let's get on with the show.
0: Are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: It is locked on NBA, Chad Ford, the visit of the year. It's going to be awesome with Chad Ford of ESPN. Reminder, the mock draft continues with uh, on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you haven't caught those already, the host of Locked On Podcasts across the NBA, we have 30 hosts that host shows Locked On Nets, Locked On Hawks, Locked On Cavaliers, Locked On Warriors, whatever it might be. Each of them are acting as GMs, and we've conducted a mock draft. We've had trades, we're giving analysis, and then Mike Schmitz at Draft Express has been nice enough to join us as our draft expert and those shows are dropping every day six picks a day so make sure if you haven't heard those already you go back to catch those on the locked on nba feed on your podcast or uh on your itunes or on your android uh Huge thanks to Chad Ford for joining us. Today's got two sponsors, Dollar Shave Club. I just ordered the Dollar Shave Club for my dad for Father's Day because I just, I, you know what? I love it, and I'm so impressed by it. I think he's going to love it too, and it's such a great gift because he'll just kind of keep getting it along the way, and it'll be kind of a fun thing for him, and it's really not very expensive. So I'm very excited. I'll tell you more about him. And SeatGeek, our title sponsor, as always, SeatGeek promo code LOCKED gets you 20 Dollars back after your first purchase. We'll talk more about our sponsors coming up, but right now, let's get right to it with just so thankful for Chad Ford for joining us. Well, Chad, always so thankful for you taking the time uh, with us on Locked on NBA. Couldn't be more appreciative of how willing you've been. Uh, I think I start this with you uh, the same way every year, and I, I, I go to the data points. So the data points say... That in the top 10 picks of the NBA, you're likely to have an all-pro, two other guys as an all-star, and two guys that never become rotation players. What's our guess on this year's 10 on the one or two all-pros, the the possible all-stars, and the guys that never make the rotation?
0: Look, I think this is the deepest draft at the top maybe that I've ever covered. Uh, you know, I just did my draft tiers column, David, and, uh, you know, usually tier one at a good draft, you'll have one, maybe two guys in tier one, which are kind of potential, potential superstars, not guaranteed superstars that have that, that sort of ceiling. Uh, then you have tier two, which are guys that are potential all-stars, uh, that they might make an all-star uh, game, at least at one all-star game in their career. And that's usually two guys, two, three guys. Then you have kind of starters, um, guys that will start, uh, you know, at some point in their career, but not necessarily make an all-star team. And that's that's, that's two or three guys. And then, you know, the rest you're talking about rotation players in now the league. Um, this year, Tier 1 had two players, uh, and Tier 2 had another eight. Uh, and so you're – and then Tier 3 had another four. Uh, And so you're looking at 14 players, this is just talking to scouts, that they believe are starter caliber or higher, 10 players in this draft that they are looking at as potential all-stars in this draft. And, look, we'll be wrong about one or two of them. I think you're right. History always says we are. Uh, But there's never been even that bullish of predictions coming in this close to the draft about how talented this draft class is, and then after that, this becomes a very normal draft where the Jazz are drafting and other teams in the twenties. They're not going to get any bump uh, from this being a great draft at the top. After that, the players are what they typically are um, at that uh, at that, those stages in the draft. But if you're if you're in the top ten in this draft, you've got a real shot at drafting a guy that can be. A potential all star in your team, and, and for teams like the Kings that have two, that's a that's that, that's a great position to be in. It,
1: it's interesting to me because this has been this is my take right now in the draft, and and I want your thought. It. The college game and the pro game are so divergent right now that unless you are just remarkable talent. It's incredibly hard to project who you are. And so what you're saying is that we have this first group, which you're, I think you just, if I did my math right, 13 guys is what you said is are just that good a talent that they're breaking through the discrepancy in the two games. And then when you get to the Ivan Rabs or the Harry Giles or the Luke Kennards or the, uh, the big guy out of North Carolina, Tony Bradley, it's, it's almost impossible to figure out whether they have a game that translates to the pro game because there's nothing similar. Is that
0: a fair assessment? I think that's fair. I think that you're seeing a lot of the guys in the top ten that are fitting the prototypes of what the league's looking for right now. They have a particular skill set or a particular physical trait or what have you that is extremely attractive to the league and what the league is looking for right now. You're seeing other guys Ivan Rab is a great example uh, David. You know, Ivan Rab might have been a top 10 pick a decade ago um, and now teams look at him and they have no idea how his game translates to the NBA. I mean, every scout I talked to, this was a top 5, 6 uh, high school prospect coming I mean, out and after two years at Cal, everybody shrugs their shoulders and says I, I don't know what he does in the NBA uh, this, this day and age. And so you're you're seeing a shifting, I would put it this way, there's always prospects every year, but what teams are looking for and what sort of uh, skills uh, that that uh, they're after, as you know, we've done this long enough, That that shifts, uh, obviously, from decade to decade, but even from year to year, um, as the league continues to evolve, where, where scouts are going to put their value right now, and so... I never look at it and say, hey, there's fewer college prospects that are going to be able to contribute to the NBA. I look at it and just say different types of prospects are going to become more valuable. Luke Kennard uh, is more valuable right now than he would have been five years ago. Uh, I just think he is.
1: On the Ivan Rab, I think Tony Bradley fits into this type, where they played a collegiate game that does not have – Big man NBA, big man NBA skills are now shooting, passing, right, switching defensively, and rebounding. Those are big man skills now. Uh, do how do these teams try to figure out if these guys have them? Does the workout
0: become more important than ever before? Yeah, I think the workout's a big part of that. They're going to put those players in positions where they can where they can uh, show some of those skills, and some of it is testing their basketball intelligence. The, you know, the understanding of what they need to do. Look, do they have the physical abilities? Like Bradley Bradley's a great example. Like he's, he's long. He was a terrific rebounder. We know that rebounding uh, uh, particularly translates at the next level, but you look at his feet, you look at his mobility, you look at what bigs are being asked to do right now uh, in, in the NBA. And, and he's a massive question mark, right? He, he would have been a traditional big man a decade ago, just like Jahlil Okafor, a decade ago was a no-brainer as the number one pick in the draft, and now you look at him and look at how Okafor struggles, and his real plus plus-minus numbers are, are still you know just rock bottom, on, in the league, and you wonder can these guys can these guys play anymore? Emmanuel Moutier, uh, you know another great example of a guy that was drafted on what a team would have looked for maybe a decade ago. Um, And now you come into the draft uh, this year and look at the modern NBA, and it's hard to figure out whether Moody is ever going to have a career in the NBA uh, anymore. Um, And so, yeah, Tony Bradley is a great example of that. But but look, when you're drafting at the top, is one thing. When you're drafting in the 20s, I still think Tony Bradley has value, even if there's a massive question mark about how his game's going to translate at the next level, because it's not like you're passing on other guys that are sitting there. Who clearly their game is going to translate at the next level.
1: It's interesting because there's a bunch of those bigs that the, the bigs are so interesting. In this draft, we'll get to them in a second. Let's go back to the top uh, of the 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 scouts you talk to. I know you you put together your big board very much based on the league's opinion, not your own personal opinion, which I think is very. Uh, I think people have got to realize that when they talk when they hear what you're saying. Who are the guys that you're most comfortable with? If you look at the top of this draft in this, that high group we're talking about, who are the guys that to you, you, you just see them and you're most comfortable with, Chad?
0: Well, look, I don't know how Markel Elfdolk fails. He has no glaring hole in his game. He does so many things that teams are looking for right now um, in a modern guard. Uh, and, you know, the only, the only thing that's got anyone caught up right now. Is, is, he a winner? That's the question mark, right? Because in Washington, his team really struggled um, in high school and AAU ball. He wasn't necessarily a guy that was bringing home state championship after state championship. He was a little bit of a late gloomer. Does he have that, that little edge? But when you look at a basketball, you know, if you're kind of put together the perfect sort of basketball guard right now for the NBA, uh, you would put together somebody that look a lot like Markel Fultz and uh and so to me from a basketball standpoint he can't fail whether he's a superstar or not probably is the question about the mentality right does he have the mentality to continue to push or get better but he does so many things well he does not have a major deficiency in his game which almost all of these other prospects do you know something that you and i can look at and say if he doesn't fix that that could derail his whole um, career in the nba there's nothing like that for Marco Fultz. and so I, I really feel like when you're drafting number one, he's really tough to pass on. He's just just really really tough. Uh, you know, even Lonzo Ball, who I think has what Marco Fultz doesn't have. He has that 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 that, that edge to him um, that I don't I don't even know what to call it. But a lot of a lot of ex players who are scouts in the league or general managers in the league. They recognize something about Lonzo Ball um, that all the other greats have, a certain attitude, a certain swagger, a certain way that he sees and plays the game that's just special. But then Lonzo Ball has some, some serious question marks about some other deficiencies in his game, and he's a little bit more of a system guy. You've got to put him in the right system to really take advantage of what Lonzo Ball does. I think you can put Markel Fultz in any system and he has the skills to adapt, and and that to me is a is a hallmark of a great prospect, a, a number one pick. Right? You think of the great the great ones, and you can you can safely say, look, doesn't matter coach, doesn't matter teammates, doesn't matter system, doesn't matter city, front office. This guy is going to succeed no matter what. I, I think Marco Fultz is that guy. I think everyone else in the draft there's some questions after that. So that's the guy that I'm most comfortable with, but I will say that I'm comfortable with Lonzo Paul as well. I, I think anything team drafting him team has to know what he brings to the table, has to know what his weaknesses are, have to understand how you're going to utilize him. And to me, it's a very similar discussion um, that we had last year with Ben Simmons, right? Ben Simmons in certain systems has a chance to be a superstar. If you ask him to do other things that he doesn't do well, he can be a very mediocre player um, in the NBA. I think he went to the right team with Philly. I think uh, Brown's going to ask him to play the way uh, that he needs to play to be great. And I think in a team that drafts Lonzo the ball, they have to go in understanding um, that they need him uh, to have the ball, they need to let him create. Um, they need to run the offense through Lonzo Ball, and if they do, they they could get a star, and if they don't, it could be pretty avid. We'll move
1: to Jason Tatum in a second, but as I mentioned to open the show... I got my dad the Dollar Shave Club opening package and continual package. Actually, I extended him out for Father's Day. Why? Because Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice. A great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. So I got my first month executive razor with a tube of the Dr. Carver's Shave Butter for only $5 with free shipping. That's what you can get also if you go to dollarshaveclub.com slash lockNBA. Here's what blew me away. I don't have, like, the heaviest beard and all that, so I've never really worried about it. But the Executive Razor is incredible. And the shave butter is translucent, so you can kind of see what you're doing better than I have in some other places. And it's the best shave I've ever had. There's no hook here. You get the Executive Razor, a tube of Dr. Carver's Shave Butter for only $5. After that, razors are just a few bucks a month. And there's no hidden fees, no commitments. Try it out. I promise you, you'll be blown away by how good it is. It is the smarter choice. A great shave at a great price. Conveniently delivered. It's a a life hack. It's awesome. So please, go try it. dollarshaveclub.com slash lockNBA, no E in there, L-O-C-K, NBA, and i if you do not think this is a great shave, please contact me because I have been totally blown away by it and am a huge believer, and that's why I sent it to my dad for Father's Day. All right, to Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is interesting to me because he's to me he's the best scorer. The game is about putting the ball in the basket, and people seem almost lukewarm to him because he's not scoring the correct way anymore. I'm finding myself more intrigued by just the fact that if you ask me which of these guys I thought could drop 20 as an average in the NBA first, I think I think it's Tatum.
0: I think that's fair. And and I think one thing that Tatum has going for him as well is that I think he's the guy that you can watch what he does right now and see, okay, that's going to translate, that's going to translate. He's going to come in and, and... And we saw this this year, David, I mean, so many of the rookies struggled to really do anything um, for most of the year. This was such a weak rookie class um, when it came to actual production or helping helping the team on the floor. I think Jason Tatum's a guy to me that if you were to ask me again, it's a little bit dependent on which team he goes to and what his playing time's like. But if you were to ask me which guy has the best shot at rookie of the year, I'd probably say, you know, Fultz. But if Fultz goes to Boston, then probably not. Uh, and then Tatum would be that second guy. Just because I, I think you're right. I think he can score. I think, the, I think the way he scores translates in the NBA. I think you're right that he isn't scoring the way um, that the league is evolving right now. And, that, and that's the hiccup, I, I think, right now. Is he going to be a three-point shooter? Um, and certainly, can he be a facilitator of the basketball as well? Uh, so often anymore, teams want players that not only can put the ball in the basket, but can facilitate baskets as well. Jason Tatum to me is a, is a pretty big black hole. He's going to take the ball, and he's at that point got tunnel vision um, in scoring the basketball. And, and and so you're right, he can really score. But can he do anything else uh, to make him, to make his team great? And I and I think that's a question mark for him. And I. I the answer could be yes. Um, from everything, I understand he's a workaholic. He's in the gym constantly. He loves the game. He's ultra competitive. You know, those sorts of players, they tend to figure out their weaknesses and they tend to, tend to polish them. And there's nothing wrong with the Jason Payton' doesn't have terrible form on his jump shot. It, it's not like he's, uh, you know, he's raised on Rondo out there, just flinging the ball at the basket. I mean, he's got the potential to get there. I just, I see other prospects in this draft who have more versatile games that are more intriguing to me. Like if I had to choose between Jason Tatum and Jonathan Isaac uh, out of Florida State right now, there's no question in the first two years of that choice, Jason Tatum will be a better basketball player than Jonathan Isaac. But if you look at the ceilings of these two players, and look at the way the league is evolving and you look at the versatility of Isaac and all of the different things that he could contribute to a basketball team. And you see the seeds of all of them already there in three years. I I think that there's a really good chance that Jonathan Isaac is a much more valuable prospect uh, than Jason Tatum. I I see Jason Tatum as Rudy Gay uh, in the NBA. That's a good point. You got Rudy Gay can score the basketball.
1: You've got me thinking on that one because, you know, the thought I kept having when I watched, there were two things that struck me during the playoffs this year. One was the teams that came from a sole direction with one ball handler, as the series went on, their offense really began to grind to a halt. So Houston, Oklahoma City, Clippers. As great as their primary ball handlers were, when the other team knows where you're coming from every time, the second one right. is in the conference finals – and the finals, there were never fewer than eight good passers on the floor. So Zaza's not a good passer. Tristan Thompson's not a good passer. But everybody else on the floor in all those circumstances, all eight, always at least eight good passers on the floor. And and that jumps out to me to what you're saying about Tatum. So let me actually ask you this. who not Who are the best
0: non-point guard passers in this draft? That's a great question. Uh, I, I think Jonathan Isaac has a really um, some great potential there um, as a passer. Um, he's, he's a player that, that really stands out to me. I mean, this is a tough, this is a tough question for me. One, because there's five point guards in the top 10 in this draft, right? Um, so you just, you just knocked five of the players um, off the <laughs> list right away um, because that, this is a point guard, heavy, heavy draft. And so if you look at those other guys, Tatum, Oh, uh, I'm leaving out the obvious, which is Josh Jackson. Uh, Josh Jackson is a terrific passer and facilitator. I actually think it might be my favorite part of his game. Uh, uh, certainly his defensive intensity, his competitiveness, and motor are big deals. But I really loved how Jay, uh, uh, how Josh Jackson um, played as a facilitator uh, for Kansas as well. He, he, to me, is such an intriguing prospect because – Every box for me is checked off for him, except he his shooting, especially his free-throw shooting, was horrendous. His three-point shot went in this year, but if you watched it, you sometimes wondered how it went in. Um, and he was an inconsistent shooter in high school, and he's a year older than pretty much everybody else in the freshman class. So there's some th- so some little dings on Josh Jackson here and there, obviously some off-court incidents that happen in Kansas as well. But if you if you're looking at a player that, can guard three, maybe four positions on the floor, can play offensively three or four positions on the floor, um, and going to bring a a super high Kevin Garnett-like competitiveness intensity to his game. I I see why the Lakers are torn between Lonzo Ball and Josh Jackson. Uh, I actually think the Lakers need a guy like Josh Jackson maybe more than they need the offensive wizardry of a player like Lonzo Ball.
1: If you were the Lakers, who would you, ta- who would you take?
0: Um, look, I, I started the season in July. Josh Jackson was number one on my board. Uh, I thought just watching that high school, he had the best chance of being the best player in this draft. I, I, the, Fultz surpassed him pretty early in the college basketball season has been number one um, ever since. If Fultz is off the board, you know, to me, that's the right question. Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz. I I can make the argument either way. I've been back and forth on it. And it, it may just come down to this for me. Lonzo Ball wants to play in L.A. He's got his family there. He grew up there. I wonder if that's the right place for him. I know that he wants to play the Lakers. That's his dream job. There's a lot. We've seen this a lot with players that get, get to come back to their hometown and, and, and do that thing. There's a lot of additional pressures that come on him. He's already got a, a family that has brought a lot of undue attention that I don't think he wants necessarily to him. I think the best thing that may happen to Lonzo Ball's career is for them to pass on him in two and for him to go forward to the Suns. I, I, I think that that might restructure his mentality and understand that he wasn't just the heir apparent of the Lakers. His home team passed on him. Maybe a chip gets on his shoulder um, at that point, and he recognizes, hey, he's got to earn this. It's not just what he did in one uh, college season at UCLA. He's got to earn this. If he goes to the Lakers, my concern is that he's going to think he's made it. right? He's reached his goal um, as a rookie, and he'll buy into the hype that surrounds is getting. I think D'Angelo Russell did that uh, to a certain extent with the Lakers and the way they were talking about him being the face of the franchise early on. I think he bought into that too soon and then didn't put in the work and all the effort that he needed to um, to actually earn that. I, concerns me with Ball. So I think if it was me today with the Lakers, i take Josh Jackson because I don't think you run into any of those problems. And I think Josh Jackson helps you on both ends of the floor.
1: More on that in a second. If you go to Chad's piece today, there's even more being discussed about all of this. Uh, And Chad's on to something here. Uh, One of our sponsors throughout the whole time for the Lockdown Podcast Network, as well as for Lockdown NBA, is SeatGeek. And you hear about SeatGeek, hopefully a lot. Have you downloaded them yet? Because if you have not, right now is the time to download SeatGeek and support our most loyal sponsor, Download SeatGeek, go to the settings tab, enter the promo code locked. Why SeatGeek? Because when I go to SeatGeek, it compiles all of the various tickets from all sorts of different areas in one spot. And then, for example, Amos Lee is doing an outside concert coming up here. And I'm a huge, huge Amos Lee fan. So I've looked at it. I got my ticket things on it. And my I can check out the best prices from everyone around. They This is an... Uh, open event, so it doesn't have ticket scores on it. But if it's in an arena which has set seats, then every single seat gets a ticket score and tells you which are the best deals for you to get via SeatGeek. And finally, if you buy the concert tickets or the game tickets, they're secure and they're on your phone. That's how I'm going to go see Amos Lee this summer, is by using SeatGeek. And you should do the same if you use the promo code LOCKED you'll get a $20 rebate back from SeatGeek after your first purchase. All right, let's do more with Chad Ford. And if you send him the thank you, at Chad Ford Insider, please, please, please do that. You know, it's such a difficult thing. I'm going to go take a Utah reference here. Trey Lyles had a miserable sophomore season. And I totally get it. Like, I'm still believing him completely. and But he had a miserable sophomore season. Now, if he decides to stop working, then I don't. But I get it. Here's a kid who was a All-State number one player in Indiana. McDonald's All-American. Goes to Kentucky. First round lottery pick, has a decent rookie year, and then all of a sudden it's like, out of nowhere in his mind, I'm not playing, I'm not getting time, I'm and he and he checks out. Like to your point on this. I think it's really, really hard for these kids who've had every accolade, been the best they've ever been, and they're now, as as my partner Ron Boone says, everyone's back in their basketball card is as good as yours. Now let's see what you can do. I think it's very hard for a lot of these kids the first time something goes a little astray because they've been so good they haven't had it before.
0: Oh look, this is see this is the part that I love about the draft, and I love talking about because you know you know Kevin. Kevin Pelton would kill me right now that I would pick Josh Jackson over, over Lonzo Ball. I mean, the analytics are clear. Uh, regardless of the formulas they put together, Lonzo Ball is the best or the second-best player in this draft. And certainly when you look at the Lakers, he, he's, a, he's a clear choice. And he can make all these other arguments for him, but there's that human dimension that analytics can never quite capture uh and that even i think as human beings trying to analyze it and you have sports psychologists and they're taking exams and you're talking to coaches and you're talking to trainers and you're talking to teachers and you're talking to people back home and i mean nba teams the exhaustive amount of background work that they do on players i think is the part about the draft that that the fans know the least about uh, the amount of time and energy is spent in understanding who the human being is that they're drafting, not just who the basketball player is that they're drafting, has become paramount. And the Jazz are right on the leading edge of one of those teams that, that really invests a lot of time and energy into trying to understand that. I, I think it's hard for all of us to get our arms around. Even when um, the the teams themselves invest in all of that, human beings have a way of surprising us. I'll just give you... Uh, you know, an example, Scott Labissiere, um last year, clearly talented, right? Um, came out of the Nike Hoop Summit, was going to be the number two pick in the draft, struggled at Kentucky all year, didn't really assert himself. John Calipari was pushing him the way that he had pushed Anthony Davis and Carl Towns to quit hanging out on the perimeter and go figure out how to tough it out down in the paint. He understood that his players that over, over time the game would evolve, but he was trying to add skills and add toughness to their game, and, and that's what I think a good college coach does, uh, right? But, but Skull struggled with that. He, he never bought into it, and he had a terrible freshman season for, for Kentucky. And then when you got into the interview process, virtually every team, I don't know that he's tough enough. I don't know that he'll put in the work. I, I don't know that he's resilient enough. I mean, this is a kid from Haiti, right? We're not sure sort of about these things. And then there was Sean Maker, who never played a minute of college basketball, also had a really interesting story, um, had some similar questions about you know softness, toughness, a number of different things. And, and people came out of those interviews and said, look, we take Fawn over Skull on this mentality issue because of what we saw in Kentucky. Um, you go to the end of the season, and Skull looks like he might should have been the number two pick in the draft. He played so um, – Based off what he's –
1: he played so much harder at Sacramento than he did at Kentucky.
0: Yeah. Uh, he went to the D-League. He figured some stuff out. Turns out maybe he's more resilient than people think. Maybe that ding and knock of getting drafted as the third pick for the Kings and not the first one. right? All of these things together, st- something clicks with Skull. And all of a sudden he's out there and you're like, holy crap, this guy, is good. This guy could, could be really good. Um, and, you know, Thon Maker, I thought was okay. Um, you know, he got he got minutes uh for the bucks this year. I thought it's okay, it doesn't mean that Thaw won't be a good player. I just I just I, I point that out because every team that passed on him basically looked at his psychological profile and said, Well, we, we just don't think he's got the in, inner workings to really make this this work. And I think that they're they might be wrong, all right. Um, and uh, so with <laughs> and that, that millions of dollars were put into that, right? Right? Um And so it's hard to understand how a human being is going to react to all of these different things. I'm a little concerned about Lonzo. I could be completely wrong about that. Maybe he would thrive in LA. I don't know. But as as somebody who studies people for a living and does conflict work and a lot of other stuff, that would raise a red flag for me. And I'm not even sure as his age and his father that I don't think he would be better off without all those pressures of being the savior, the next magic Johnson for the Lakers sending to a team like the Suns that will play exactly the sort of basketball that he wants to play and, uh, and, and letting, letting him sign as a free agent there in six years. Uh,
1: the numbers on the draft say that after the 10th pick, only half of first-round picks become rotation players. What of the next 20 picks are you most comfortable believing will be a rotation player?
0: Luke Kennard shoots it so well. And he's got such a high basketball IQ. I don't think he's just a shooter. I think he actually thrives in the pick and roll, uh, which is which is a really critical NBA skill. I, I have a hard time believing that he's not going to have uh, a, a long career um, uh, in the league. He, he just he stands out as, as a guy to me. Um, OG out of Indiana. I mean, this this guy is your classic three and D. Uh, player that's going to be able to guard multiple positions and get his feet set and knock down threes. There's always a role, um, in the league, uh, for, for players like that. As long as his knee heals, um, I think he's the physical maturity, the work ethic, everything else to have a long career, um, as a 3D and D, um, player in the, in the league as well. I and mean, those are the two guys that, that I look at and feel fairly confident. They're going to have long careers in the league. They may never be starters. They may never be superstars, but they'll do their thing in the league for a long time.
1: I was surprised as I prepped for this draft how many, how many lack of wings there were. Like, you know, if you watch an NBA game, it seems like at some point in every NBA game, a head coach turns down the and looks for another wing player. And then I'm looking at this draft, right. and after the first 10, like, it's like, on your mock, I think it's like eight straight bigs go. And then I started watching the wings in this draft, and I understood why. Uh,
0: yeah, they're just not there.
1: They're, they're not there. just not there. I mean, I don't want to throw any guys under the bus, but I went and watched four second round, they're right, right around second round draft pick wings, trying to find the next wing after Kennard or Donovan uh, or uh, Donovan Mitchell? Is that what, yeah, Donovan Mitchell. And they're not good. Like, these guys I watched are not good.
0: No, they're not. And, look, I don't even know that the bigs are very good in this draft. I don't think that's the strength of this draft either. I think that the point guards, this is a point guard draft. And, um, you know, even, even teams are looking at Kennard and Donovan Mitchell, and they're looking at them in part, Malik Monk, to a certain extent, and wondering whether they can be point guards in the NBA because, again – the role of the point guard has shifted um, in the league and they have enough ball handling skills and enough passing skills uh, that they could perhaps play that position in part because they lack the league size to to play maybe the more traditional position at the two um, in in the NBA. That's, that's, that's the strength of this draft. Uh,
1: Wrapping up second, any second round kids you like? Anybody in that second round that you've just thought all year long, you know what, this is, the, and so, how, how about this? This is our new phrase. This is this year's Malcolm Brogdon.
0: Yeah, and th- the problem is I didn't think Malcolm Brogdon would be this year's Malcolm right. Brogdon. So, and, I, you know, in full disclosure, it wasn't like I was sitting there all year saying, man, I wish Malcolm Brogdon was, you know, tw- uh, you know, 10, 20 spots higher. If, he, if I thought that, I would have been probably advocating him, and even though I do – take the consensus of the NBA guys. You know, there's there's a t- time or two, especially at the end, that I might put my thumb on the scale a little bit if I if I really like a guy. But you'll you'll hear it from me. I, I didn't see that coming with Malcolm Brogdon. I, I, maybe you did, David. I, I didn't I did not. see it. I did not. Um, I, I, and again, so much of this, it reminds me a little bit of Draymond Green. Now, like I thought Draymond Green was better than where he was drafted, but uh, I thought he was in the 20s and clearly he deserved to be a... Uh, you know, top five picks. So I was even still massively off on that. Uh, but, you know, so much of that for Draymond Green was landing right team, right opportunity, right um, understanding of what his skill set is and how it fits into everybody else. And, uh, you know, I think that Jason Kidd found a way that maximized what Malcolm Brogdon brought to the table uh, to help this team. It also would stun stunned me that in three years, Malcolm Brogdon's back to being a, so no, it's, it's a rotation player point. in
1: the league. It's a great point. Chad, we always appreciate it. Enjoy the draft very much. Your work at ESPN over the years has been exemplary, absolutely elite level. Um, it will be missed dearly, I may add. And uh, I, I appreciate your generosity with Locked on NBA and coming oh on the God. shows with I me over sure the I years. I'd,
0: I'd love Love the podcast. I'll be. Uh, I, I won't be able to be a participant for a while, but I'll love to be a, a, a listener for a long time.
1: All right, talk to you soon, my friend. Boy, what Chad Ford has done for the NBA draft for all of us fans. Ah, why ESPN included him? I'll. I'll. I'll simply never know. Uh, it's a travesty. But so thankful for Chad. Please send him at Chad Ford Insider. Sponsors, by the way, Dollar Shave Club. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-N-B-A, SeatGeek, promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. I know it would be nice if they all did the same. Also, special thanks to Casper Mattress, who's sponsoring us this week. Casper.com slash locked, and you get $50 off a mattress. Blue Apron's a longtime sponsor for us. As well, L-O-C-K-N-B-A gets you three free meals. And WarbyParker.com slash Locked gets you five free try-on at-home glasses. Now, hopefully you enjoyed that. Later. This next Coming up next week, Mike Schmitz will break down all 30 players. In the meantime, the Locked On NBA mock draft is coming your direction each and every day on this Locked On NBA channel, and I hope you enjoy it. Have you found your favorite NBA team's Locked On podcast? If not, please subscribe today on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use. Thanks for tuning in to Locked On NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.